Hello and welcome to Public Speaking Presenting Made Easy. It's an online show and it's a podcast. It's full of tools, tips, techniques and advice in bite-sized chunks that will help you stand up and speak with confidence every single time. Now I spent two years asking hundreds of people what they found difficult about public speaking and presenting and this podcast is all about what they told me and I will show you how to overcome all of those difficulties. So if you have a fear or anxiety about public speaking, or if you struggle to write and structure your talk, if you want to influence your audience to take action or decide to buy, then this, my friend, is the podcast for you. Always friendly, always to the point, no waffle, no padding. This is Public Speaking and Presenting Made Easy. Welcome to episode 12, No Jacket Required. How to use public speaking to boost your business. So No Jacket Required is one of the albums that I had on endless repeat in the 1980s. Phil Collins at the peak of his post-Genesis solo career. Well, along with, you remember this? Michael Jackson's Thriller and my other favourite, Ultravox's Greatest Hits. I mean, these, these were the soundtrack of my teenage bedroom. And I recently... You love the smell of records. I rescued these these vinyl albums from long-term storage up on the top of a bookshelf in the spare room. Because vinyl is back, baby. Now, in the first half of 2020, vinyl sales exceeded CD sales for the first time since the 1980s. Remember CDs? Although, in retrospect, I'm not sure what's more surprising. The fact that people are buying vinyl again or the fact that some people are still buying CDs. You know, some things never go out of fashion just because they work so well. You know, things like chips in a butty, biscuits dunked in tea, paper notebooks and post-it notes. Public speaking is one of those things. No other skill will help you advance your career, champion your cause, elevate your social standing or grow your business more than public speaking. Now, Warren Buffet said the easiest way to add 50% to your market value is to learn to stand up and speak. And he's a guy who knows a thing or two about market values, right? So here are three things that you can start doing today to help you grow your business every time you stand up and speak, whether you're speaking online or live in the room. Number one, don't talk about yourself. Now, you might think that people are here to hear about you or your new widget, but, you know, they're not. The audience is interested in themselves way more than they are in you. It's not about you. Write that down, stick it on the bathroom mirror. It's not about you. Don't focus on what the audience is thinking about you, whether they like you or they believe you, whether they find you interesting or boring. It's not about you. It's not what the audience thinks about you that matters. It is what you think of the audience. So talk about the challenges that the audience faces and then introduce how your product or service can help them. Don't describe how you spend your time, but rather explain how people benefit from your help. Describe what people experience, what they see, what they feel when they become one of your clients. Tip number two, say three things clearly. Now, it is so tempting to list every feature, every benefit, every cog, every button that's in your wonderful product or service. I mean, you're proud of it. You've poured your blood, sweat and tears into making this thing a reality. 
and you want people to appreciate how damn wonderful it is, right? And how clever you are for creating it. Remember, it's not, say it with me, it's not about you. Okay, you don't need to list all the wonderful attributes of your product as if the, the sheer number of features is going to overwhelm the audience and compel them to sign up as customers immediately. Yeah, because they've been astounded by your cleverness. Listen, talk less, smile more. Say three things and no more. It could be, for example, uh, one benefit of your product one customer story, one amazing fact, because three is the magic number when it comes to planning a speech or a presentation. People can remember three things. They can hold three related ideas in their heads. And because those three things will stay in our heads throughout the whole presentation, it makes the, all the ideas feel more compelling and connected. The less you try to say, the more clearly you'll be able to say it and the more likely it is that the audience will understand and remember your message. And number three, leave the audience with a clear action plan. Make sure your audience leaves the room with a clear plan of action, something that they can do that will benefit them and move them closer to becoming your client. So as you consider who you expect to be in the room as you're planning your presentation or Zoom call, think, what can I offer them that will add real value to their business or help their life. You don't need to do a hard sell from the stage. If people leave the room feeling that you have actually helped them, they're gonna to want to come back for more. Don't try to sell, simply try to forge a connection. Don't talk about yourself. Say three things clearly and leave the audience with a clear action plan. And someone who knows how to put all of those things into advice is this week's guest on public speaking presenting made easy. She's someone who has learned how to use public speaking to boost her profile, how to build a consulting business and a very distinctive brand. Okay, well, our um, special guest on this week's episode of public speaking presenting made easy is Kim Adele Platts. Now, Kim Adele is a leadership coach and has got a very very interesting story. So I spoke to her briefly at a networking event a couple of weeks ago, and I just wanted to hear more of what she had to say. So I'm delighted she's agreed to come and uh, join us. Kim, uh, good morning. How are you? Morning. I'm really well, thank you, Mark. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Man managing to, to cope in these... Um, we're not going to say unprecedented, are we? We're not. That word's banned this morning. Absolutely, absolutely. Albeit, I do struggle sometimes to find an alternate one, even when I'm desperately trying not to use that one. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I just, I just can't wait for the return of precedented times. Absolutely. So, um, actually, I forgot to, um, I forgot to check how embarrassing. So, is it Kim or Kim Adele, or does it, yeah. or does it depend how many glasses of prosecco you shared with someone? <laughs> It probably is on the glasses of Prosecco, yeah. So it is Kimadal, but it often, after a few glasses, gets shortened. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so what is it you do? What's your own kind of elevator pitch um, when you kind of describe some? Yeah, so I am a leadership coach. I help people to connect with their purpose, integrate with their values and evolve to their full potential to leave a legacy that matters. Excellent. Who wouldn't want to do that? Thank you. <laughs> that was really good. So, in so the the reason why we we got talking because um, 
you shared some stories about your your journey using public speaking, how that is one of the tools that you've used to kind of promote yourself uh, and promote your coaching business. Um, is, is there a book in your background as well? Uh, so there's two actually, both okay. done during um, lockdown. So I did the first one, uh, literally it was day one of lockdown. Somebody got in touch and said, would you co-author a book? And I was like, um, okay, I guess. Uh, and by day, I think it was day 14, we, we published on day 10. And by day 14, we were international bestsellers. What? Still, still a little bit crazy. Um, and then off that book, I got asked if I would um, co-author a second book. So the first one was on remote working and the second one was on women leading. Um, so that went um, out probably about two months into uh, to lockdown and also became an international bestseller. So it's a, it's been a bizarre lockdown period for me. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's absolutely amazing. As, so, as someone who earns about £1.50 a month on my uh, kindle royalties for, for my book I'm, i'll get some tips from you um after we <laughs> after the show <laughs> i love it um okay so so pre-lockdown uh when when the world was was uh when the world was precedented um how how did public speaking play a part in uh you kind of developing your your business and kind of in your career before you decided to to go into the in, into the coaching line Yes, yeah, so I first started doing public speaking probably as part of my normal career. So I ended up working at board level in FTSE 250s and often would get invited to speak at events about leadership. Uh, I once was, um, so I got to be a keynote speaker for the Financial Times as part of their women in business um, training. And I also got once flown into Madrid um, to do a speech for E.ON as a part of their um, leadership programme. So those bits were, were like fascinating and, and really, really great to be able to go and kind of share your story and, and your thoughts. And then when I started to move into my own business, I realised that I still needed to have a brand. People still needed to be aware of you. Um, and therefore, I've been very fortunate. So part of my business is actually to do keynote speaking. So I've done speeches in the in the last year for um, Johnson Matthey and also at the Women in Business Expo. Um, but really, it's a, around sharing your thought leadership and, and getting yourself known for your beliefs, because people will buy from people they know, like and trust. And particularly in what I do now, being a coach and in leadership, people need to understand first whether or not they believe I've got something that they are going to want to learn from and that I've got the right skill base to be able to support them. So keynote speaking is a great way of bringing that to life and sharing some of the stories and some of the journey that, we've, that I've been on so that people can see if they resonate with it, because a key part of coaching is finding somebody that you can resonate and trust. Uh, absolutely. That, that's, that's very interesting. Um... So you, you talked about the, the link between speaking and your, your brand, which I think is, is, a, is a really important idea because I think one of the kind of recurring theme I see when people come to me um, with sort of, I want to become a keynote speaker, I want to become a motivational speaker, or, you know, that's kind of the big idea that they've got, they want to get into something. Um, and then quite early on, I said, well, that's, that, that's, that's great. So what is it you want to say? And often there's, there's quite a long pause and people kind of that they're excited about the idea about motivating other people and helping other people, 
but they haven't got their their message honed down so that you know here is the unique thing that I'm going to say this will make me different from all the other motivational speakers. Yeah. So um, when someone books Kim Adele to come and be a keynote speaker, what is it that's kind of you, your unique message that differentiates you from all the other women in business speakers and all the other leadership coaches? Because you know there are lots of them around. So what's your unique message? Yeah, so so I've, I've got a couple and I make it really clear to the client, it depends which one it is that they want me to really talk about. Um, one of them is turning your vulnerability into your superpower. So we all have a vulnerability. And actually, when you when you share your vulnerability, as long as you share it uh, without, you, so sharing your vulnerability without losing your credibility is one of my keynotes, because you need to be able to share a little bit about yourself, demonstrate that you're vulnerable to enable the people around you to be comfortable to share their vulnerability, because that's when as a team you are going to grow. And leaders have been told for years to never share your vulnerability. So it can be really, really hard. And yet when you do it, it can have such an amazing impact. And I think the and the second one um, that I talk to people about is resilience. So, you know, I managed to coach myself from hairdresser to CEO. I often joke that if I was to write my memoirs, it would be three divorces and a stalker. The journey from hairdresser to CEO can be bumpy. Um, and I've had three life-threatening illnesses in there as well. So the need to find positive mindsets, to be resilient in times of crisis, to overcome your inner imposter are skills you can learn. But actually what you first need to do is find somebody who you go, that story resonates. So, you know, I understand those those parts. That piece where, you know, I remember once being that upset, I didn't even know how to how to breathe, which sounds ridiculous and very melodramatic. Of course I did know how to breathe and I continued to breathe afterwards. But in that moment when your the overwhelm takes over, that's how it felt. And sharing that can be really tough because you know that's vulnerable. (laughs) It is very personal. But in doing so, if it resonates with one person in the audience and gives them the confidence to reach out and ask for help, then it's worth sharing. And I think, you know, you're you're so right, Mark, in the coming up with the what is your reason? And and your reason has to be who are you helping? Because so who are you helping and, and why is it important? So for me, having spent so many years in leadership, leadership can be tough because you've got to lead yourself as well as lead other people. And life doesn't just stop. You know, people say leave the work at the door, uh, you know, leave the home life at the door and, and work at the door, vice versa. But you can't, we're human beings. And therefore, funnily enough, it leaks in because our subconscious brain pings it into our head as we're going through. So I think what you've got to do first is, is be able to say, who is it that I'm helping? My passion is to help other leaders to understand that it's okay to be them, that it's okay to not have all of the answers, that it's okay to sometimes just need somebody to talk to, to be that sounding board, to be able to say the thing out loud. Because sometimes, you know, you have a conversation with somebody and the minute it comes out of your mouth, you can have to laugh yourself, it was ludicrous, and you just go, not doing that. Um, But you need the person to be able to have that conversation with. And I guess you can't always, you can't always do that. Keynote speaking is a great way of connecting with a much broader audience to try and find those one or two people where what you've got to say resonates. And I'm a big believer in if you help just one person, it's worth having shared your vulnerability. Mm, absolutely. So so when, when you're um, 
doing sort of keynote speeches is it's generally where people have have booked you to come along to an event that they're putting on because what you want to say resonates with their agenda for the for the event is that yeah absolutely so so normally we'll have had a we'll have had a conversation beforehand um so i know what their i know what their events about i know what the purpose of it is and what they're trying to pull out and therefore we've tailored which of the speeches they want me to use so that it resonates with with their audience and with their outcome so what it is that they're trying to achieve and I think that's really important to do I have however had a couple where it's been a little bit more ad hoc so I mentioned the one uh, for, for that I did for Eon um, and theirs was kind of like you've got half an hour you know come and talk to us about about leadership and I was I was slightly daunted because you know, the person who had spoken the prior month had been I don't know I think he was CEO of, of um, Microsoft Europe or something and then I was like you've got me <laughs> Um, so in that moment of massive imposter, I kind of like went in and, and talked a little bit about leadership. But I was like, do you know, what? there's 250 of you senior leaders in the room. I'm sure each of you right now has probably got a leadership challenge that you're facing because we have those all of the time. So why don't we open this up and you can share with me the challenge and I'll share with you how I tackle it. Which was... A <laughs> Some people might say, oh, my God, that's a bit crazy, Kim. You didn't know what they were going to say. And I and I didn't. But I was like, actually, I think I'm going to be able to engage them more this way. And it ended up that, you know, the speech overran. They invited me to stay for lunch because because actually we'd got into a really interesting mm. debate. And I think sometimes it's just reading the audience and, and checking, like, you know, what is going to be the most useful for them right now? They've been in a day of keynote after keynote. And it's like you need to you know, mix this up and get it interactive. And actually, as a result, we stuck on a, a panel interview as well. And, and the feedback was fantastic. So I think, I, I guess my, my thing to that I've learned through, through public speaking is sometimes you've just got to go with the flow. And we make, we make mistakes sometimes. And my, one of my worst mistakes ever, which was about 20 odd years ago, and it still resonates every time I stand up and speak I say don't say something stupid and um, because I stood up in front of like 480 people and told them that one of the charities that we were supporting was Imperial Leather and then I kind of like looked and was like oh my goodness and I meant Imperial Cancer because Imperial Leather is clearly a soap um, not a charity um, and would have been the, the charity for the unwashed and actually it should be Imperial it should be Imperial Cancer and because I kind of put it in like that, people thought it was part of the speech. So people were like, oh, it's hilarious. I mean, you kind of put that in. I went, no, I actually got it wrong. I, got it, <laughs> I completely got it wrong. I totally missed where I was heading. I was just nervous. But it was just recognising that that's actually okay. It's like you make a mistake. Mm. Don't think about the mistake. Go get back on <laughs> and kind of keep going. And sometimes it's sharing your vulnerability. You know, I did, the, I did a keynote at uh, Women in Business Expert. And I kind of stood there and it was, I looked up at one point, I was doing it on behalf of the British Business Bank and, and I saw these people staring back at me and I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> you, you can't do this. Um, so I like looked out at the audience and I said, you know, right about now, every fibre of my body is telling me to get off this stage and run as fast as I can. And I can't do it for a couple of reasons. The first is, I don't think I can run very fast in these shoes. And the second is, it'd be really embarrassing. My name's all over the leaflet. You're all going to know it was me that like left and I'll just be known as the woman that ran away. So I can't do that. But what I can do is give myself permission to share with you that that's how I'm feeling. And in doing so, hope that I can quieten the little voice long enough to remember what I was actually here to talk to you about. <laughs> and then I got on with the got on with the speech and I had 
people queuing um, afterwards to come and talk to me because they were like, you stood there, you looked so confident, bright red dress, big smile, bright red lipstick, you looked like nothing bothered you. And yet when you shared, you wanted to run away. We knew you meant it. And they said, but we realised that actually if you were able to stand up there looking that confident, looking that well pulled together and pushing through that nervousness to, to make your message known, then maybe we could find the confidence to push through what you know what holds us back and I was like and that's the thing it's just about stepping into the, our fear and then all of a sudden you realize that you can do it you can achieve the thing that you want to achieve you've just got to get past your own defense mechanism that holds you back yeah absolutely no, no, thanks for, for, for showing that it's um yeah I think it's so true and I think one of the things we can be especially when we're kind of getting into to, to speaking we can we can try and over polish and actually especially kind of uh, kind of british audiences um actually they're, they're turned off by something that's too slick i mean it's got over, over engineered and just that, that kind of honesty um in, in that vulnerability just the, when, when it's clear that you had a good idea and you just kind of drop it into your talk it feels so much more natural because that's how we have a, a conversation um and it kind of helps really kind of helps connect with the audience doesn't it yeah, and actually, that's a great point, Mark, because for me, that's what I always think about is pick one person and um, plant them somewhere in the audience and just talk to them as if I were just having, just like we're having a conversation now, uh, talk to them because actually your tone will change, your mm. pitch will change and the words you use will change. You'll become significantly more friendly and more engaging because actually you're you're not you're not over polishing it and you do use language that you want the other person to, to hear. I um, had a career where I was told that my vocabulary wasn't strong enough and that I needed to learn a better vocabulary, which I did, and then realised nobody understood me. <laughs> I was trying to talk to my people. They were like, I mean, it sounds good, but I don't know what she's saying. And it's like, actually, communication is only effective if people understand you. So yeah. I think, you know, the, the more that you can actually make it like talking to a friend, make it like having having a conversation that you would like to be involved in and so would they, the more compelling your speech becomes. Mm, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so there, there, there's two other things I just want to, uh, wanted to, to ask you. So you, you sort of buried the lead <laughs> as, an, as an aside earlier on um, <laughs> about the, the hairdresser who became CEO. So We'll, we'll 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 come back to that because I'm I'm sure people noticed it and um, they'll be keen to hear the story. Um, but what I did want to ask was about your your personal brand because one of the things I've I've, I've noticed um, is that you uh, you always when you kind of see you at the networking event or kind of here today or you're always impeccably put together and there's always a lot of red. Um, so so have you made a kind of a, a a deliberate kind of branding choice so if you're booked for a keynote do you think right i've got my 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 speaker outfit and and when you put on your speaker outfit do you notice how that helps your confidence levels yeah no, no great points and actually it inadvertently became my brand so i had to go and have uh, photos done for my website when i set up on my own and i hate the camera <laughs> i was terrified about going to have my photo taken so i took um, 
what it always been. So I've got a podcast called um, Confidence Hacker. And my way of hacking confidence is wear something really bright. So I've got this red dress that always makes me feel good. So I thought, right, I'm going to wear that. And I, hopefully I can get through get through the photo shoot. Um, so I had some photos uh, and it ended up being the, the one that is now my brand picture. But um, the lady who took them, um, Vivian Kane, who's amazing, she liked it that much. She's got it as part of her part of her branding. So it kind of went everywhere. And then people started to say to me, oh, I expected to see you in red. And I said, like, well, I do wear a lot of red. In fact, you know, my little girl's called Scarlet. Red is my favourite colour. Um, and it is my, you know, my brand, my brand logo was red. Um, but it has become such a thing that actually now I've bought an entire work wardrobe that is red because people get upset <laughs> not in it. Um, and it also allows you at the weekends to switch off because it's like I'm not working, I'm not wearing red. <laughs> it's like I'll do anything but wear red now at the weekends. Um, but it is true, people start to notice you. And I hadn't realised, but somebody said the other day, you know, you've absolutely carved your niche as the um as the lady in red, everybody that's what everybody knows you as because you always turn up and you've always got you've always got red on. And I said, Well, I've suddenly realised it's become part of the brand. And people want to see what they expect to see. So they expect to see that you are gonna come in on brand, that you're gonna walk your talk. Um, because it gives them that confidence that it's honest, that it mm. that it's natural. And I think it's one of the things that it's probably been the biggest learning curve for me since going into business on my own is that you have to have a personal brand and whether you have one or you don't have one you still have one and uh, that was really inarticulate mm. and um, whether you own your brand or you don't you're still going to have a brand people are still going to have an opinion about you about what they you know about what they see and what they what they expect mm -hmm. um and I, I guess it's it's knowing that so you know people People have commented that throughout lockdown, I am always dressed for work and, and made up. And it's like, yes, because I'm working. <laughs> Just for the fact that I'm not going into the office, that doesn't change anything. You know, my clients still expect me to show up mm -hmm. like work. Um, and actually, it's also really good for you for your boundaries, because it's like I get dressed to go to work. And then when the day's over, I get changed because I'm not working now. So it allows you to get real structure, even if you're not going out to an office. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I I did it this morning. I looked at my sloppy T-shirt. Thought, oh no, I'll put on my a slightly smarter shirt if I'm going to yeah. be on 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 camera. And it, it, yeah, it, absolutely, it does make a difference. Um, so tell us a little bit about your your kind of personal journey, and then how and and how that has has taken you into uh, into leadership coaching. Okay. Yeah. So I started out at fifteen as a hairdresser. Um, which is all I ever wanted to do. And I thought my um, dreams had come true when at 19 I set my own business up because that's I was kind of like living the, living the dream. And then unfortunately at 22, um, I lost the feeling in my hands and legs and it took a long time for them to work out what was wrong. But turned out that I was allergic to perm lotion, which in the 90s is a bit of a problem because you know, perms were quite big. And I wasn't even allowed to be in the salon when other people were doing perms. So I ended up having to sell it and pleased to say, sold to a lady that um, worked with me and she still runs it. And I got a 15 hour a week temporary contract at the local bank while I worked out what on earth do I do now? Um, and then life kind of got in the way. I got divorced, needed the job. So it became permanent. I moved from um, cashier to receptionist, then to um, sales person, then to ops manager, and then really just started moving around um, 
the financial services industry. So I was fortunate to work for most of the big players. I was at Egg when it launched. Um, you know, and a number of uh, number of exciting things on my journey. I got my first uh, role as director in my early 30s and then started to really progress, moved across to work um, in the Channel Islands, then came back to the UK, moved over to do um, accounting software for a period and then worked for a number of other um, software houses and then decided to start a consultancy business. So I was going in and doing transformational change for organisations uh, around the UK. And one of those, I got asked to go in and help a company called CPP, which was at the point that they had gone through, they'd just been given the largest fine in UK history at the time. Um, so that was quite a that was quite a journey. Um, and I learned loads. I became an approved person and then moved across and continued to do interim roles. And then I was um, really fortunate. I had my little girl late in life, so I hadn't thought I could have children. And then I was blessed to have her. And then unfortunately, when she was nearly one, I had another health scare. So I um, was facing um, surgery and going through uh, a variety of, of tests and things to find out what was wrong. And unfortunately, my marriage broke down and um, I ended up at one point being overnight an unemployed um, single mum of age 44 facing surgery, which was a you know defining moment. Um, but realised that that's not a label I wanted. So, you know, that was the Saturday. By the following Friday, I'd been offered a role as interim CEO um, for an organisation. I went in, started working for them on the Wednesday, had two days off the following week for training, because um, I told them I'd got some training to do, which was actually my surgery. And then I went back to work on the Thursday and just kind of kept going. I did that for six months then moved to another company and was their COO. And at that point, Scarlett was nearly two and I ended up in intensive care with double lung pneumonia. Having thought I was just, you know, getting a bit old. <laughs> Life just is a little bit tougher as, as you get old um, and that I'd got a cold. So it was mortifying having to text the organisations who had been telling me I was really ill. And I was like, no, it's just a sniffle. <laughs> I'm in intensive care, <laughs> double lung pneumonia, so maybe not a sniffle. Um, and I won't be in on Monday. And it really gave me pause for thought, which is, you know, I'm killing myself um, trying to still do these big jobs and also be a single mum and be a good mum and be a good sister and, and daughter and friend and all of the other all of the other challenges. And it wasn't what ignited my soul. It was just what it was just what I would got used to being paid for. And there's a great book called um, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks that talks about the fact that we are or we often get to our fear of ex, uh, our sphere of excellence, which is where we know we can get paid for something and therefore we continue to do it. And actually what we need to do instead is push through to our sphere of genius, the thing that actually ignites our soul. And three days in hospital with nothing to do gave me a lot of chance to think about what is it that ignites my soul? And actually it's helping leaders lead with kindness, humanity and courage. Over the years, I've had the fortunate task of having to downsize organisations and have seen others downsize. And even in those really difficult times when you're making really tough decisions, you can treat people with kindness and humanity and have the courage to take those steps. And once you do, once you give people the confidence to be able to bring their whole self to work, to lead from the front, 
is when they really make a difference. And seeing somebody get out of their own way and achieve the results that they had been dreaming of is probably one of the greatest gifts that you ever get. And, you know, that for me was now that I found my purpose, I love it. You know, (laughs) that opportunity to be able to go and help somebody do the thing that they really want to do, but they are currently holding themselves back from. Oh, that's uh, that, that's that's fantastic! Thanks. Uh, that's good. So, if someone wants to um, kind of engage with you, where where do they find you online? Um, so uh, they can come direct to www.kimadel.org, um, or also, I'm when I say all over social media. Somebody said the other day, "Oh my God, that's all I see now." <laughs> um so, so sorry about that um but i'm on most of them as either kimadel platz or kimadel 10 so twitter and instagram at kimadel 10 excellent thank you thank you very much um yeah i mean what you were saying kind of really resonated with um with me uh we we haven't talked about this previously but i kind of got into the the, the speaker coaching through leadership coaching i mean that's what i want to do when i when i get out of the, the corporate world um, the hardest thing I ever did was make that transition from from managing the computers to managing the people who manage the computers. You know, because I was a, I was a, I was a techie geek, um, and you know, I think it's I think it's Simon Sinek who's got this wonderful phrase. He says, "Leadership isn't about being in charge; it's about taking care of the people in your charge." Uh, and you know, that's you know, kind of uh, what I was passionate about. Um, but almost kind of by accident, um, I I ended up niching on the the, the, the speaking element because that's where I started you know how do you help leaders communicate their message there's no point in having a great vision if you can't communicate it to the troops and no one's going to follow you if they don't know where you're going um and it, it it just kind of took off so I've ended up kind of staying staying within that niche but um I think my my, my heart really is f- f- about um help helping leaders grow so I, I really enjoyed your story what it is that you got to say and I think we're we're absolutely on the same page when it comes to um uh, what what it takes to be a to, to be a great leader. Um, so just as we kind of I think we're kind of running out of time, and I want to to let, let you get on to your get back to your clients. But in, in terms of thinking about how you've developed as a as a public speaker, what would you say would be your your number one tip for someone who wants to uh, speak more in order to um, promote their mission and the thing that they really care about in order to to grow their business? Uh, So I think the key thing for me is to think about what it is that the client, your potential client needs. What's their what's their pain point or what's their concern at the moment or what's their desire? Because it isn't always a problem we're solving. Sometimes it's a it's a desire that we're helping them to achieve. But I think start start with what they say, start with the end in mind, don't they? Start with your client in mind. Really focus on on that part, because we can often we're human beings and human beings want to be understood and we've all got a story but actually the point of the point of public speaking isn't about your story it's about how it's going to help the other person so you've first got to understand what it is they need help with um, and then work back from that on the how are you going to take them uh, on that journey I think then the other thing is to be really clear what's going to be the takeaway what's the two or three things that you want them to be able to take away from your speech that they're going to be able to action so that actually it's not just something that has inspired them for the time that you're talking but actually they've got two or three actionable points that they can put into put into action put into reality 
once the speech is over, because that's when you're going to really leave a legacy. And I think the other thing that I that I was told a long time ago was to watch out for the erms, of which I still do too many, and to own the silence, because we worry, don't we, that I can't quite think what I'm going to say next. So I'll, I'll say erm, because it's a good filler word. Well, that's just announced to your audience you don't know what you're going to say next. Whereas actually, if you pause and say nothing, and it's really uncomfortable to do, <laughs> but if you pause and say nothing, then actually the audience leans in because they're waiting to hear what it is that you're going to say. And actually, you're just giving your brain chance to find the right words. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that we, we forget is that we can speak faster than people can listen. And so you just need to give people that processing time so that they can they can accept and receive what you've just said because what you're saying next is building on it normally and you know if that foundation isn't laid then uh, you you lose your audience absolutely kim and l platz thank you so much for joining us on public speaking and presenting made easy uh, it's been a real delight to uh, to spend these few minutes with you um I thank you very much for joining us it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much it's always so lovely to chat to you bye for now bye so this has been Public Speaking Presenting Made Easy. I'm Mark Faithful from the Marmosy Speakers Academy. Just search for Marmosy Speakers on Facebook, on YouTube and on Instagram. You can find me there, you can leave a comment and any questions or topics you'd like me to cover in a future episode. Until next time, say bye for now. <laughs>